Hello and welcome to Professor P's podcast. My name is Parsa Pekar. I'm a psychotherapist, author, and adjunct faculty at Pepperdine University. And I'm here with another episode on their influence series. And today we'll look at the influence of art. And the questions we're going to ask is, how does art influence people's lives? So as the first part of my podcast, I'm going to do a book review by the book called Your Brain on Art, How the Art Transform Us. This is a book by Ivy Ross and Susan Maxman. On the second part, I have a special guest, Casey, on my show, which he'll discuss about his artwork and how he takes wonderful pictures in nature and how much that influenced the world. And lastly, I have one of my former students, Sarah, on the podcast, who will express her ideas and thoughts on this subject. So first and foremost, this is a subject that is very important to me personally, because I have had work with many clients in applying our therapy. And this is a model of therapy, which is rooted in psychoanalysis. And it's a way of expressing yourself, your emotions, your feelings, your beliefs through an art. And I believe art is such a great tool to do that because in a way it's very indirect. But as you can tell, the way we express our art is the way we express ourselves. So by looking at someone's art, we can tell a lot about that person. And it's been shown that art can be very effective with certain population, such as children, In my case, when I was working with inmates, I found it very useful because it was, again, an indirect way for them to communicate where maybe expressing their feelings is something hard. And then also in a hospital setting, when there is a way for them to be sad, they experience a lot of difficult emotions, and they're able to express that through art. So for this section, I'm going to be talking some of the key insights from the Your Brain on Art, How the Arts Transform Us book. And then I'm going to also provide some practical steps that we can apply art into our our life and see its positive effect. So the first thing I want to talk about is that we have the proof that art is effective, right? It's something that is very useful for us. So research is proving that we are literally wired for art. And these experiences alter a complex psychological network of interconnected neurological and biological system. So this includes the sensory system, cognition, uh, immune, and respiratory reward and motor system, to name just a few. And each of us, of course, are born with more than 100 billion neurons that connect the synaptic level. So you have a lot of connections, you know, synaptic connection in your brain, creating endless circuits and natural pathways. And these pathways underline our body's movement, emotions, and memory, basically everything we do, right? And researchers are discovering that through highly salient experiences like the arts, uh, you know, these quadrillions of new synapses that form in your brain create stored knowledge and responses that are as unique as your fingerprints. So no one else, not a single person, of course, has your exact brain. And of course, the brain is a meaning-making machine. So it connects the dots, find patterns, and then builds natural pathways all of the time. 
And in the 1960s, a neuroscientist, uh, Marison Diamond, designed an experiment using rats. So she created three different sensory physical spaces, including one that was highly enriched. And after just several weeks, she discovered that rats' brains found that you know, cerebral cortex, the other layer of the brain from their enriched environment group, has increased in thickness by 6% as compared to those in the less sensorial groups that had actually lost brain mass. This was the first time, you know, anyone had ever seen a stroke changes in an animal's brain based on different kind of environment experiences. So what we can tell is that these implications for creating healthy and more creative environment for all of us are profound, right? And by creating and looking at art, we can find ways to affect our brain positively and in resolve our environment. The second point this book mentioned is that the art is for everyone, right? It's the common language that we have, all of us. You know, there is not only for us a nice thing to have, but essential to our very survival. So the book talks about this evolutionary biologist, E.O. Wilson, which shared that evolutionary underpinning of the arts as prerequisite of human growth and development, which has continued to expand throughout the time. And the bottom line is that art positively impacts every area of your life, including your physical and mental health, learning, flourishing, and community building. This comes to my mind, this point is a living proof for me because when I was doing some time helping inmates at the jail and providing them psychotherapy, I remember when I was at that floor, we had this uh, supervisor, which she was the main psychologist on the floor. And one thing she mentioned uh, as we were doing this art therapy classes was because I realized these inmates really responded very positively, right? Either if it was drawings, writings, music even. And she mentioned something about music and overall art, that this is a common language among all people, right? Regardless of what language you speak, the culture, etc. When art is involved, when you listen to an art which has impacted, like something like Beethoven, right? Piece, or you look at an art piece from... No, da Vinci, like we all can relate to some degree to art and it breaks the barriers between people, right? Between our beliefs, between the cultures, etc., and bring people together. What they recommend in this is uh, there was some fascinating findings, which include that 20 minutes a day of art is as beneficial as getting enough exercise and sleep in one day, right? And after 45 minutes of practicing, practicing art, the stress hormone is reduced. So playing music, for example, increases synopsis and gray matter, which supports cognitive skills. Chronic pain can be managed through dance and virtual reality. And one or more art experiences a month can extend your life by 10 years, according to their research. And what they would suggest is to do 20 minutes a day of art uh, as a way for you to get that mental exercise, right? And healthy habits. So for, you know, mental health, uh, they give, uh, you know, a couple of activities to try. And uh, one thing that I did, which I found very useful, and I used to apply it all the time to inmates, 
I had these lesson plans, which each week concentrated on one theme, right? So one day when I went there, we talked about purpose. One day when I went there, we talked about potential. Another day we talked about inner freedom. And what we basically did was we would define, first of all, what that means to them and have a discussion on it. Okay, what does freedom mean to you? You know, is that an inner experience, other experience? How would you define that? And then the second question would be a practical way. How can you experience freedom? Is it through uh, when you express your feelings? Do you feel like a free person? Is it when you go uh, outside and experience nature? That's when you feel free. Is it when you gain self-knowledge and start to see your limitation and then you try to solve that? Is that when you're free? And then the last question I always ask them was, Right or dry scenario which describes that word to you, right? So that's when the art therapy came into play, where they either wrote a scenario or they did the drawings of what it, the, that actual theme means to them in that week. And that really helped them to understand, okay, what this means. I remember one inmate one time drew himself as a little child with uh, a woman next to him in an open field, which had grass, everything, like a tree in the nature. And when when I asked him what that means, because every one of them had to present, he said, to me, freedom was the time when I was with my mom and we were outside playing and nothing ever worried me, right? I was not conditioned in certain ways. So that's what freedom meant to him. And when we look at the drawings, it can help us to have a lot of conversation, but also understand the subconscious mind that led that person to draw to draw that. The third point is art can be done in anywhere, anytime, and anybody, right? The power of the art is accessible to everyone right now, anywhere, anytime, which can help us in so many ways. And according, again, to this book and the authors, uh, they talk about the researchers who have debunked a huge myth that you don't have to be good at art or skilled artists for the arts to have a significant impact on you, right? And making and beholding the art are not dependent on resources, age, or ability. You know, we can do it at any time. You can grab a pen or pencil and start to draw, write, read, listen to music, or color. And studies show that those of us who are engaged in the art and crafts have lower level of mental distress, and also experiencing higher level of mental functioning and life satisfaction overall. And then they have this really nice line which they talk about and it says the success of our species come down to this. Art creates culture, culture creates community and community creates humanity. And I love that. I love the fact that art can bring people together and create a positive culture, which culture always creates community in its result. And of course, the community, it's what creates the humanity as a whole. One thing I want to mention, and this is so important, and I want to encourage all the listeners to practice this at least for seven days and see how much influence that has in their life. We are living in a world which everything is trying to compete for our attention, right? When we step out of our house, we see all these billboards, signs, etc. all the advertisement industry. When you watch a video, you listen to something, you know, everything is there for you to grab your attention. 
And many times we don't realize it, but we are programmed unconsciously, right? When you listen to certain music and when you pay attention to the lyrics and you're just singing it and you don't really realize what you're singing, you realize that really affects your mood over time. So what I always encourage people when they're experiencing all of a sudden say, oh, I don't know why I feel sad. I've been feeling down lately. I don't know what's happening with me. I'm not my best, which I was before, etc. The first question I always ask them is, how were you influenced, right? Because influence is part of our day-to-day -day life. Either we want it or not, we are influenced in some ways, right? And when you become aware of the sources of your influence, then you are able to tell and see for yourself, okay, like when I listen to this music and it says these words, I realize after a while I start to have certain, first of all, my body have certain reaction, but also my mind, right? Start to, we are starting to repeat those sentences to myself and then I start to feel weak, etc. And of course it can have the other effect as well. So, Another research uh, proved that the process of painting and drawing enhances self-knowledge and this insight transfer to other areas of our lives. Again, right, it's about the influence that art has in, our, in ourselves. And the fourth thing they mentioned is the future of the art is immersive and sustainable. So immersive, interactive exhibitions. And of course, now we have the virtual reality are dissolving the boundaries between art and viewers, you know, engaging our senses and creating strong emotional reactions. So we are seeing expansive growth of immersive arts that are creating a new form of expression, which can be exciting, right? When you think about it, and there can be a lot of creative thing that comes out of this. And then the fifth thing they talk about is change your lens, change your world, right? So Again, they're talking about how in this time of our, you know, humanity, we are coming to a verge of a cultural shift in which art can have such a powerful influence in our life. And I can certainly agree with this. In order for you to influence any generation, I believe art is one of the best ways to do it. And again, we need to be so careful of how we are influenced and how art can be used in such a positive way to influence us. So, you know, when we incorporate art into our life, it's like turning the, you know, the lens and have it seeing different reality for ourselves. And it's such an important thing that we use art as a way to express ourselves, our curiosity, you know, have a playful exploration and passion for making and building things. To summarize, I would like to mention 10 ways in which art can transform us and then go over some practical steps where you can apply art therapy to your life. So first point is emotional expression and empathy, right? Art allows individuals to express emotions that may be difficult to articulate through words alone. So when we engage with art that conveys emotion, it can evoke empathy and better understanding of others' feelings, which foster a sense of connection and compassion. Second, as we've been talking about and mentioned in this book, there is the cognitive development part, right? Which in creating and experiencing art, we can enhance our cognitive abilities 
such as problem solving, critical thinking, and creativity. Third is the stress reduction and relaxation. So engaging with art have a calming effect on the mind and the body, which we talk about how studies have shown that viewing art or participating in artistic activities can reduce stress levels and promote relaxation. Four is the memory enhancement. So, you know, art can aid memory retention and recall and help us to improve our memory and recognition skills. Fifth is the cultural understanding, which art can be a powerful tool for learning about different cultures and societies and connect us to them, right? When we go, let's say, to other countries, one of the best ways we can learn about their culture, culture is through their art. And this certainly can have an effect. The next point is self-reflection and self-discovery. So art often prompts in towards section and self-exploration, which engage with our resonance with our personal experiences, which can get to greater self-awareness and deeper understanding of our emotions and identity. Another point is positive mood and well-being. Art has a potential to provide that for us, right? As we've been talking about and social connection. And of course, there is the therapeutic effect, which our therapies recognize as a form of mental health treatment. So how do we apply it? Like we learn all of these principles, right? And we saw the benefits of art in our life. How can we apply the art therapy into our daily life? First and foremost, one of the best ways to do that is to keep a journal. And we can keep a journal which is only dedicated to artistic expression. So you use it for drawing, for painting, you know, writing about your emotions, thoughts, experiences, etc. Which this can help you to process your feelings and gain insight into your inner world, which is highly recommended, especially in the moments where we have certain reactions. We can certainly bring that to the paper by the way we draw or write and see how that can be applied to our life. Another way is to create pictures or colleges. So we gather images from magazine, newspaper, you know, you call it. And we can create those in a different way. You know, one can be with the way we want to express ourselves, what future might look like for us, what our current state of emotion is, etc. Another way is you're using art as a stress reliever. So engaging art making as a stress relieving activity. So, you know, we can use pastels, watercolors, and allow, you know, ourselves to really express our emotions through this process and not have any sort of direction, right? Or any structure of how we want to do this. We can use art and visualization, so kind of combine them together by drawing or painting images that represent our goal and aspirations, which can reinforce our intentions and keep us focused on our objectives. And then another thing which is very important, which I recommend to do is to reflect on the art that you have, right? When you are uh, drawing something or writing, take some time to take a look at it and see, okay, what does this mean to me, right? Try to even break down every if you're writing for example the sentences the meanings for them what that means for you specifically how does that apply to you etc and then try to understand the intention and the meaning behind it and i believe if we allow art 
to come into our life and we have something that we can focus on daily for 20 minutes as we discussed and this was discussed in this book, we can certainly be much more knowledgeable about ourselves and of course the world we have created for ourselves. And in result, we called the world and create something that we are certainly looking forward to have. And I'm going back to this beautiful sentence that this book discussed, and that is the success of our species comes down to this. Art creates culture, culture creates community, and community creates humanity. Now I have Casey as my special guest. Casey, I just want to welcome you. So please introduce yourself and give us one value and why that is important to you. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Uh, my name is Casey, and uh, it would have to be courage. Courage to chase whatever it is that makes you happy. Yes, awesome. So Casey, personally, I watch your work. Your, you know, you just take wonderful pictures that really catch I think so many things in different way and I want to hear and listeners how you get into this work and tell us you know about this I I can tell you're very passionate about it too so tell us like how you got into it and what keeps you going in this yeah yeah absolutely and I would say on a surface level you know yeah I love photography I love travel who doesn't for the most part but really really what got me into it was just the passion for being with wildlife i I, you know i never felt more alive than being in these you know deep in the amazon or in the african savanna and being with these apex predators it's it's just undescribable and i knew that when i started started to experience those things that this was this was the career path I was going to go down and it, you know, there was never a plan. I just followed the things that I enjoyed doing and it just, it turned into what it is now. Yeah. So when was, when did you start? Like how old were you when you first started this? So, you know, to, to backtrack on, on my love for the natural world, it really, I mean, it started when I was a kid. Um, You know, I was, I, I was given the nickname at a pretty young age, nature boy. And, uh, I just, I've, I've always been obsessed with wildlife. You know, it's like I'd spend every day after school looking for snakes and turtles um, in my hometown in Michigan and really just any wildlife I could come in contact with. And, you know, that that love for nature never went away. But, you know, there were just distractions in life. You know, I, I'd get made fun of by my buddies about how much time I'd spend in the forest and playing with snakes and turtles. So then, you know, for for a brief moment, my focus was, you know, lacrosse. And, you know, then I found out about what girls are like and Mm -hmm. girls and partying became really all I could focus on and the nature and wildlife and photography all, all kind of fell, fell to the wayside. And, um, eventually I developed a 
pretty significant addiction to alcohol and drugs. And I had, I, I got a rap sheet of arrests and one day I woke up and decided, you know, none of this, none of this really is me. I was just kind of morphing into what my friends were doing mm. and it was, it wasn't really making me happy. And I think that's why I spent so much time drinking and doing drugs is because I wanted to get outside of my mindset. Like, like the life I was living at the time, it just wasn't enough. So I would get, I would get fucked up to just feel different, you know, but once I, once I started traveling and working in wildlife sanctuaries and, and seeing the natural world, you know, uninhabited by humans, I, I realized I was like, no, this is, this is what makes me happy. This is, this is the direction I need my life to go. Whether, whether there's money involved or not, I want to, I want to work with wildlife and I want to capture the beauty of the natural world. Yeah, and something I really believe, Casey, is, you know, both nature and art itself is very healing, right, in so many different ways for us. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and actually with today's topic, we're talking about the influence of art. So I want to see how healing was the experience of nature. You mentioned, you know, many times maybe we use, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever, to cover those holes that we have inside of us, right, as a way to deal with them because... You know, we try, in a way, our mind tries to protect ourselves from experiencing pain. So we use those as a way to escape them. But of course, at the end, it becomes more even painful. But um, how would you say art or, you know, nature has been healing for you specifically? Oh, so many ways, you know, it's just like seeing something so perfect as a jaguar in its natural habitat in the Amazon, you know, the the wildlife came first and then it was the photography it was just like okay how can i capture this and show it to the world you know because so many people don't get to see those things you know so many people live in suburban areas or cities and there's not there's not a lot of wildlife going on in places like that so to be able to capture that and show it to my friends and family and and followers and you know whoever is really interested it's like that's my part of being like look this is what's out there and this is what's worth saving. And that's kind of my spin on how I can somewhat make a difference and hopefully, you know, help some of this wildlife. Yeah. So what comes to my mind, Casey, I actually was in, uh, you know, went to uh, well, Czech Republic and I experienced some wildlife, like wild animals, like uh, flies, like eagles, etc. And I was amazed. I always loved eagles. and That was the first time, you know, I had an encounter with one. But of course, it was in a very safe area, etc. So what's the craziest memory that you have that you would say, okay, this was something I experienced and it was like wild, I would say. Because I know based on your pictures too, you take really like great pictures from lions, you know, jaguars, etc. And underwater. There's yeah yeah there's uh there's been a lot but i think the one that sticks out the most is um i was working on a project in the amazon um where we were trying to protect this species of fish that's almost extinct they're called an arapaima and they grow to be even larger than a tarpon a saltwater tarpon um you know sometimes eight to ten feet long these arapaima are 
And we were in this area where they're kind of confined to these ponds um, outside of the rainy season. So in the dry season, they kind of move into these areas and the river kind of dries up around them and they lay their eggs in these areas. And this one area in Guyana has a really good, well, a decent population left of Arapaima. So when we were there, we were documenting them and just, you know, kind of trying to figure out how many are left in that area. And we were noticing that the caiman uh, in the area were actually eating a lot of these Arapaima. So we were like, you know what, let's just, let's just take these caiman out of these ponds and put them back in the, in the rivers. And that way these Arapaima are safe at least until the rainy season. So me and probably eight local uh, Amazonians in, in Guyana, we went into these ponds and we started capturing these caiman and, you know, we, we didn't want to kill the caiman. They're natural. They're supposed to be there. We just wanted to relocate them to give these Arapaima a better chance of surviving. And I remember we saw this one that was ripping an Arapaima in half and it was, it was heartbreaking because there's really not that many left of the species of fish that really hardly anybody's ever even heard of. But we realized that there were, probably eight or nine other very large female Arapaima in this area protecting their babies. So we had to get this massive caiman out of there. And, you know, as a kid, I always thought of caiman as being pretty tiny caiman being, you know, a close relative to alligators and crocodiles. Mm -hmm. So we, we got these ropes and we were going to lasso these caiman's mouths shut and then jump on them and drag them to shore, throw them over, our shoulders and walk them to the river and you know i was i was planning on kind of being in the back seat on this whole project it's like all oh, these local guys they they probably know what they're doing they can handle it but i had worked with saltwater crocodiles a little bit in australia and i had told them that and they're like oh okay great so you can jump on the caiman then mm. <laughs> so we 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 get to this one caiman and it's kind of floating on the surface it's maybe four or five feet deep and and we're we're hundreds of miles deep in the Amazon. So middle of nowhere, not, not many human beings have ever even seen this area. And as we're approaching this came in my heart beat just starts thumping out of my chest. And I, I throw a lasso around this thing's mouth and I shut it perfectly. And it starts thrashing like crazy. I hand the rope back over to the other guys and they're kind of hanging on to it. I jump on the Cayman and I drag it to shore and the rope comes loose mm. and while we're halfway in and out of the water, this caiman wraps back and bites and comes so close to biting my leg that it actually rips off half of my pant leg. And luckily right when that happened, the other, the other two guys that were on the boat at the time, they jumped on the caiman and we were able to uh, subdue it, you know, duct tape its mouth shut and carry it over to uh, the big river where it'd be, away from these Arapaima spots, but that, that experience was insane and way more than I bargained for at the time. Cause I thought I was just kind of, I just wanted to document this whole thing. And then they made me kind of spearhead a lot of these came in. Um, but it was, it was crazy. I think we relocated probably 30 or 40 of them in the course of like two weeks. Now I see where the courage comes from when you use the value of courage. It's certainly yeah. when you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but man, that was that was insane. I was I was high off that experience for probably four or five days after that. Yeah, so uh, Casey, when you go to these experiences like Amazon Jungle and different places, you you're not really a, are you aware like what you're gonna encounter in terms of the animals, or you just like you going there, you know it's gonna be a, it's like snakes, lion, whatever, but you're not really sure maybe how. Well, you never really know what you're going to encounter, but as far as what you could possibly encounter, I have a really good idea of. I mean, I spent the majority of my childhood watching everything from Steve Irwin to David Attenborough and all of these guys on Discovery Channel and Animal Planet. And I knew at a young age that I, that I wanted to do something like that. I just never really dreamed that I'd actually be able to have the opportunity to see these things firsthand. But to answer your question, I have a good idea of what's out there, but I never know exactly what I'm going to encounter. Yeah, which is at you know, some part, I think it's very adventurous, right? To some degree. But at the same time, there is that unknown feeling that, okay, how, what's going to happen today or Exactly. Yeah, you have no idea. And that's the coolest thing about it is like no day, no two days are the same uh, when you're in these places, you know, just pristine wilderness with just teeming wildlife all over the place. It's just it's it's a surreal experience. Hmm. And my goal in life is to figure out a way where I can one, protect a lot of these species that I've fallen in love with since I was a child and two, take people that see this stuff as extremely terrifying and give them an opportunity to see it firsthand and realize that it's, it's not as scary as you think, you know, and all animals don't just want to kill us. You know, it's like you tell people like, Oh yeah, I'm going to Australia. And they're like, but what about the snakes and what about the spiders and the sharks and all that stuff? It's like, look, you have a better chance of getting mugged on the street somewhere in the United States than you do by getting killed by a wild animal. Mm. So yeah, I mean, if I, yeah, at the end of the day, I just, I just want to show more people the natural world and why it's so important that we start prioritizing saving these areas. Right. And you know, we also have a form of therapy we call animal therapy. Have you heard of that Casey? Like, <laughs> I have, yeah, yeah, and and there's a lot, there's a lot of truth behind it. I I've, I've never felt more comfortable than being around some of these animals. I mean, not the apex predators, but uh, yeah. you know, like working with monkeys that I've done before. It's just like they're just so calm and in the moment that you forget about a lot of your problems. And I think that's a big reason why I became so addicted to that. It's like I I shifted my addiction of drugs and alcohol into just being with wildlife and and really experiencing the backcountry. Yeah, I was going to ask, Casey, how do you think the experience, you know, with nature or animals in this case, which they are part of nature, can be therapeutic? Is it because, like, you see them being in the present or what is it about them that you feel? Here's the thing, you know, we live, us humans live such an unnatural lifestyle, Um we drive around in these metal boxes on a concrete road with square buildings everywhere. And we've really, we've softened ourselves up so much that we just, so many people don't have a connection to our roots anymore. It's like 
only a hundred years ago, we, we used to live off the land. We used to be a part of nature and now we're apart from nature. And I mean, I think anybody that drives out of a city and sits next to a waterfall where you can hear birds chirping and water flowing, it, it drops your stress level significantly. And, um, yeah, yeah, I think, I think that, does that answer your question? Yeah, certainly. So I think the next question I have, Casey, which is related is, and it's related to your mission. You mentioned you want people not to be so terrified when they encounter, you know, these animals. If let's say if I want to experience like that, something like that, what would you recommend to me? So like when I come and, you know, meet these animals, I feel safe. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, there's a big piece to this. It's like, I'm not telling people that they should go out into the Alaskan backcountry and just be with bears because 90% of people have no idea how to be around wildlife. I mean, look at Yellowstone. You, you see the heads headlines all the time person mauled by bear or uh, gored by a bison um, get with an expert, be with somebody at, who's a guide that can keep you safe in these places and just get out and experience something that might scare you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's so much deeper than just having people, you know, not be afraid of wildlife or getting in, getting out into nature. It's, it's don't let fear control your life and time that into nature i think connects us back to our roots Mm. so that's a little bit more in depth of what i hope to accomplish in my lifestyle of rewilding the human race to some degree yeah and kind of reconnect to that nature which you mentioned i think very nicely that we've separated ourselves from that but that's where we also belong right we are part of the nature either we want it or not we really are and and i don't i don't blame people you know we're born into this society where there's you know unless you're a farmer or a guide like myself bush pilot or or whatever it is you know you you want to have security you want to have a roof over your head and all these things so really society guides us in the opposite direction from the natural world like it's 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 tough because it's expensive too it's like say you live in a city and you want to go see the amazon like it's that's not a cheap experience um if you want to do it safely and comfortably so you know i really don't blame people for becoming disconnected to nature but so much of our anxiety and stress can be solved with just reconnecting with nature and i don't and again i don't mean just going and hanging out with these apex predator animals i mean even as simple as what i was talking about earlier with just going out and sitting next to a waterfall and you know no noise pollution as far as honking horns and sirens and kids crying like just you and nature um there's i I think there's a lot that could be done with that with with people that are just like in a stressful environment like any city setting i mean it's just it's just not natural yes Certainly. And what comes to my mind, we there is this uh, Zen practice. It's called mindfulness. Have you heard of that, Casey, about mindfulness? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about like being so present as you're walking, you know, and many of it is related to nature. So, you know, as you walk, you 
you're so aware you can your steps or you you know tune in to the outside hearing the birds you know sound etc and you become in touch with your body and that way you kind of free yourself from your inner thoughts right that are ongoing oh absolutely that's such a good way to describe it too because just just being in the moment is just such a beautiful thing and and it's hard to be in the moment and our noisy world that most of us live in exactly and i think the reason our world is so noisy is a reflection of our own inner right noises that we project to the world and as you mentioned animals are such a good example on how to be present right and when you're with them you feel that presence and of course there's so much into it you know you mentioned about the love you feel it like my family has a dog when I'm with her. It's just that feeling that you're with this being that's full of love and giving, etc. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you nailed it with that one. Casey, any uh, upcoming projects like exciting that you have coming up for yourself? Yeah, actually, I've got a really exciting one coming up. Um, there's a sanctuary I've been going back and forth with um, in Bolivia. I've been down there a couple of times working with jaguars and jungle cats of various species and then uh, monkeys. And, and a friend of mine is trying to get some of these rescued animals released back into the Amazon. So me and a friend are going down there and um, starting a fundraiser and we're partnering with this chocolate company in hopes to raise around $10,000 so that we can release a couple of these jungle cats back out in the wild. Cause there's, there's a lot of research that goes into releasing a dangerous predator back out in the wild. You know, it, it can't be released next to a village or even in a, um, an area where there might be other jaguars. There's just, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, you need trail cams, you need researchers, making sure that these cats aren't going to be released into a spot where they're just going to be killed by another jaguar. Mm -hmm. They're not going to kill a human. So, yep, me and a buddy are going to cruise down to the Amazon in Bolivia and hopefully raise enough money to get some of these cats released, um, improve their enclosures that they're living in, and just really give this, this project that's down there um, more money to work with and be able to rescue and relocate a lot of these animals back into the amazon now for the listeners who are interested to support this cause where's the best way for them to contact you or find this fundraising yeah absolutely um my instagram being a big piece of it um i'm going to release the um the fundraiser within the next couple weeks with a gentleman who's been on he actually won the bachelorette uh, a couple years ago his name name is uh blake moines so both of us will be sharing those things on our instagram and you know any any little bit helps i mean we talk about 10 grand in bolivia that's like you know half a million dollars in in the united states so a little bit goes a long way you know it's like 10 bucks here 20 bucks there that's food for cats for weeks at a time like those you know something that costs the same as a coffee to us up here in the United States, you could literally feed a Jaguar for two weeks um, that we've rescued down in Bolivia. So yeah, anybody that's interested in helping out with that project, just check out my Instagram and wait 
wait for those stories to be released and um, there'll be links where people can make donations. And we plan on being one of the first organizations to be able to release ocelots and jaguars back into the Amazon in Bolivia. So it's a pretty awesome project and to just be a part of something that's giving back to these animals that have given so much to me is um, it's a dream come true. And that's really at the end of the day, that's if I could tell my 10 year old version of myself that this is what we'll be doing one day, I, I would feel like my life was, you know, worthwhile and, and complete. So. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a great project. And Casey, the, your Instagram is at Cooper, C-O-O-P-E-R-L-O-S-T, right? That's the that's, idea. That's it. That's it, yep. Full of wildlife and conservation stuff. So, you know, just trying to educate the world and and show people the beauty of what's out there yeah. and to get outside and go see it for themselves. Yeah. So for our last question, Casey, and I want to thank you for being here, sharing your insights. Uh, is we ask all the guests to for our listeners to encourage them you know for an act of kindness so or a service so what would that be your suggestion for those who are listening and are interested in your work absolutely um and I've, I've been thinking about this for a couple hours now and I mean you know you could see it coming but be more cognizant of what buying power, the the effect buying power has on the environment. There's so many things that you can find um, sharks in as far as cosmetics and food. Just really be cognizant of what you're purchasing. You know, it's like we think that we can't make a difference as an individual, but we really can. And buying power shuts these corporations down from being able to destroy the rest of the natural world because really corporations have some of the biggest impact on the natural world whether it be mining or farming there's just um there's a lot we can do with just buying power and be cognizant of what you're buying in these in these stores so um i would definitely say that okay casey thanks for being here Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me, man. Now I have one of my former students, Sarah. Sarah, I just want to welcome you and thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Thanks for asking. I know you recently graduated. So how's that going for you? You know, it's going really well. Like I just graduated from my master's degree from Pepperdine University in clinical psychology. I was in the program uh, for three years. So it's really exciting to be done and looking forward to the next steps and the next chapter of my life. And Currently, I'm, you know, taking a break from after school and, you know, I'm working as an after school teacher uh, with kids um, ages like five to 12. And that's just been going really well. I'm excited for the new school year. Mm -hmm. 
So Sarah, what I want to ask you, and this is something we ask every guest is, you know, and something we did in our class is to choose one value that is important to you and why. Yeah, so my value to me that's really important is empathy. And I think it's so needed in just our world in general, um, being kind to others, because you you never really know what's going on in someone's life. So just even saying hello, how are you? Or yeah. even complimenting, like, you know, I really love your outfit today, or you know, I hope you have a great day. That can really go a long way um, for someone who may be struggling at the moment. Right. And I can see that connection you know, of empathy with our field as therapists. Is that one of the reasons maybe you chose this field to because it's so in line with your value? It is. That's why I chose to be in psychology and especially to work with children. That's like my uh, specialty of practice that I would like to do in the future. Great. So, Sarah, I know one of the best ways uh, to provide therapy to children specifically is art therapy and actually today's topic is influence of art so first of all I want to ask you how do you think art influences people and how do you think art therapy has been effective tool in dealing you know with children I personally use art therapy a lot with my uh, therapy practice with inmates at the jail which I found that very effective as well so I know there are certain population like ch- children, you know, set like settings like jail or, or hospitals can be very effective, but it's hard for them to communicate. So what is your take on that? Yes, yeah, so that's a very detailed question, but I feel like art is really great with kids of any age because it really helps, you know, help them express their creativity and being able to. I guess what I call like emotion regulation and whether they're angry for something that happened at school or even gaining insight on like the family environment and what's going on can really help children like process their emotions in a healthy way, which I, you know, and art can come in many forms, right? It can come in forms of creating a playlist on Spotify or, you know, painting a picture with like watercolors. Like there's many different ways you can uh, use art um, to kind of help regulate like your mental health yeah and how do you think art influences overall people because i believe art has such a great impact on people's lives and many of us maybe don't realize like the music we listen to you know the things we watch how much effect they can have on us so what is your perspective on that what i love about art is it's like you said professor it's very um universal because you feel like anyone can connect to it even if you don't speak the same language or you don't live in the same place, you can really gain insight on like different pieces of art. I know there's been different artists over the years that have influenced me, like Vincent van Gogh or Claude Monet. Like those are my two favorite artists personally, because even though they went through a lot of suffering, especially van Gogh, um, he was able to take his pain and suffering and turn it into something beautiful, like in starry night, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, just to gain a little bit of insight. Yeah. You know, Sarah, when you're talking about that, art can be also very inspiring, as you mentioned. And it reminds me of a practice that I've learned personally in my life and I apply it. And that's, there are three things. If you concentrate every day in your life, I think you can get so much out of it. First is you look for things to learn, at least one thing you learn in that day. Another thing is you look at an art or listen to an inspiring art, etc., to be creative. And the third one is 
do an act of kindness, right? Even if, if it's the smallest way, by giving someone a compliment, a smile, etc. And I realized when I practice that every day, it just gave me so much joy in my life. And of course, it's a way that we can, when we do it for others, they also start to do that for you know other people. So it's like a butterfly effect. That's what we call it. So what I want to ask you, Sarah, as part of uh, this uh, show, we all we also ask this question that if you want to encourage the listeners to do an act of kindness, what would that be? So I think for my act of kindness, um, especially since the holidays are just around the corner, is to donate. Um, even whether it's donating books or donating clothes, like just giving the, to those people who are less fortunate than yourself, I think is a great way to show an act of kindness to people who may not have the things that we have. And it also expresses like another value, which is like gratitude and being thankful for what we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great one. And what future holds for you, Sarah? Any plans, goals you have? So right now I'm working for a nonprofit in the Bay Area um, with kids um, as an after school teacher. But I also work with preschoolers and infants and toddlers as well. And so that's when my plan for the year and, you know, just take some time off from practicum and then eventually um, get my associate number and become licensed as a therapist. Yes, I'm sure you will do great, Sarah. I appreciate you being here and I wish you all the best. Uh, any last words before we finish? Um, just some last words is that, you know, art can come in many different forms. Like just like listen to your favorite song when you're feeling sad or even cooking. Maybe one of your favorite recipes can be a great way to really incorporate art in your everyday life. Yes. Great. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me and hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to be with you in the next episode. And meanwhile, if you want to stay connected, you can reach me via email at contact at parsapaycar.com. Mm-hmm.